okay, so that's our Ben Affleck talk. Yeah. Um, Benifer. All the all the best to them. They're making Geely too. I heard. Why not? Just <laughs> just lean into it, right? I bet you'd make more money than the first one. Make he could. I mean, I like what Ben Affleck's doing. He's he's giving himself yeah. like small parts in movies, right. but. He's mostly doing producing. Yeah. He's got that company with Matt Damon. He's sticking to his strengths. Matt Damon can act. Ben Damon yeah. produces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Damon. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. As you know, I don't know how to start the podcast yet, so it'll either be whatever I keep from the edit or something along the lines of, welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holden. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest or sometimes both or sometimes both, rather, oh, English hard, uh, hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, continuing May Music Month, a month-long look at not musicals, but movies that are about or heavily feature or are influenced or informed by music. This week, that movie is the Coen Brothers' 2013 film, Inside Lewin Davis. The guest this week, left right across your podcast, we got Anthony. Uh, this folk stuff, I don't know about it. Doesn't make any money, Ben. I don't see a lot of money here. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, this is, uh, I was going to say, oh, see, I don't always have you on for action movies, but I don't know if you count Close Encounters as an action movie, really. No, it's not an action There's a lot of talking. Yeah. Um, but there's no there's no spaceships in this one. No. Yeah. There's no, no one's flying around. Nope. This uh, is a meandering, depressing, in a dark cloud, trapped in a rainstorm. Or is it uplifting? <laughs> we'll discuss, but before we get there... <laughs> Uh, there's only two of us, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to have a pretty wide range of opinions on this yeah. one. Uh, before we get there, have you seen anything worth mentioning lately? Uh, I tried watching. Uh, I watched the first uh, 30 minutes of the Power Rangers uh, 30th anniversary movie on Netflix. <laughs> what is that? It's all the original cast. Minus, oh, minus the one that's dead. I'm furiously Googling now. It's Power Rangers. Um, uh, what I forgot the subtitle there, but uh, it's a... It's the 30th anniversary of the original Power Rangers. So it's Billy, the Blue Rangers in it, um, Zach, and Jason, the Red Ranger. And once and always? Yeah, once and always, yeah. Okay. I, got I, I didn't even know about this. Uh, Rita's in it. and <laughs> all, all your friends. All, all the, I was like, I feel like I'm in third grade again. This was phenomenal. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't any good. Okay. <laughs> I got about halfway through, and it's nostalgic for about ten minutes, and yeah, I'm like, you gotta wonder, like who's "These that, guys who's that for? cannot act." Made more power to them; they made a ton of money over their careers on all the Power Rangers merchandise, but it wasn't very good. And I tried to watch um, this movie called uh, "The Invitation," an invitation to murder. It's sort of in the same vein as this, um, you know, "Knives Out," "Death on a Nile," uh, "Murder on the Orient Express," but it just doesn't. It it wasn't that good. It just couldn't hold against them. It's very dry. I fell asleep halfway through that too. That's not a good sign. Yeah. So nothing nothing too good. Nothing too good. Did the Power Rangers movie have the song in it? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least there's that. It's it's classic. It's classic classic Power I'm Rangers. Yeah, I'm like even just like the logo and poster is like yeah. it's not right like back they're trying to, to 1993. Yeah. Cuz there's that one from I don't know like 5 6 years ago that was like trying to kind of modernize. Terrible. Yeah. I never saw it, but I don't doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> this is it's it's a terrible movie, but it's a fun movie to watch cool yeah i haven't really seen anything uh last time we recorded was less than a week ago not you and i but last yeah. time i recorded the last movie i had seen was guardians of the galaxy 3 that's still true aside from the movie we're talking about today 
Um, Blank Shack's doing Buster Keaton right now, so I've watched a couple of Buster Keaton movies also. Oh, nice. Um, so kind of all over the run, running the gamut right now. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can get right to the movie then because I don't really have anything what, else to say. What Buster Keaton movies did you watch? <laughs> so they go in release order of the ones he directed. So it was the first two he directed, which was uh, Three Ages and Our Hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither of them are like the big ones. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, uh, Steamboat Bill or slash Sherlock Jr. Yeah. Neither of the juniors um, or the general haven't done those yet. But um, yeah, they're they're good. I liked Our Hospitality more. Three Ages is more like I don't want to say experimental, but it's more like um, it's uh, love has always been the same. And it's just like showing you a situation in three different time periods. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's mostly just to like, it's just a loose structure to hang sort of like gags over. Right. But I mean, Keaton is pretty transcendent anyway. And Yeah, legend. Yeah. The silent movies, I think both of them from 1923. And it's still like, because of the influences that so many different kind of um uh what would i say you know big i can't think of like like landmark cultural things um looney tunes and jackie chan which were huge to me when i was growing up both of which heavily inspired by buster keaton and the way he moved and his sense of humor um so like this stuff is you know it can feel like a pretty whatever 20s silent movie and then all of a sudden he'll do something you're like oh yeah that's that's feels completely modern because right no one's ever improved on that that just became the visual language for how certain physical yeah yeah comedy gags happen right makes sense yeah (laughs) yeah um you just gave me an uh an incredible idea though have you ever seen um speaking of silent films there's this great film it's called uh the mystery of the leaping fish no. It's with Douglas Fairbanks. <laughs> okay. And he plays, this, the title character is called is this guy called Coke Any Day. And it's just about this guy who's on cocaine. It came out in 1916, black and white, silent film. It is the wildest movie you will ever see. And Doug Fairbanks is like a legendary silent oh, yeah, actor. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he regretted doing this film for his whole <laughs> life. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing film. Uh, kind of the original, like, um, adventure heartthrob of yeah. of cinema, right? Fairbanks, yeah. But this movie, he's just like coked it's, out of his he's mind. He's just coked out stuff. of his. He's playing a character that's coked out of his mind, doing yeah. all kinds of trippy things. In his defense, that probably at the time was prescribed to in, yeah, in right. half the, the population, or whatever. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> everyone was doing cocaine. Yeah, their doctor was yeah. suggesting it at right. all times. Coke and a little bleeding. Yeah, no, all good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just a bit of bloodletting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I highly recommend check it out. I, I probably will. Film. That sounds that sounds good. And the great thing about you know, twenty silent movies is they're all around an hour and change, yeah. hour and a half tops, right? And uh, free. And yeah, and that's the thing. All I think pretty much every Buster Keaton movies on YouTube, right? So yeah, you can just go watch them. Yeah, they're all in the nice. public domain now. So um, yeah. What is happening? Oh, I'm getting Discord notifications. I got to turn those off. Um, anyway. Let's talk about Inside Lewin Davis. Um, I know a lot of people like, are going to like this film, and I'm sure it really calls and speaks to a certain segment of the population, a.k.a. struggling musicians or <laughs> other types of artists. But this is not the Cohen's best film. It is uh, pretty divisive, even among Cohen fans, and yeah. then also among, uh, well, maybe not among critics. Who, it was really well-reviewed when it came out, but it didn't really connect with audiences. Uh, this is 2013. Cohen's only made a couple movies after that, and then they split up. Now they're making their own movies. Um, so this is just about the end of the yeah. Cohen's 
together run. So it's lasted what late eighties until or mid to late eighties until 2017 about uh, yeah, something yeah, like that. Right. Anyway. Um, yeah. So this is 2013 late period, I guess. Cohen's early Oscar Isaac. Um, hadn't really seen him in much at it the, at the time in 2013. No, I think this is like a breakout role for him. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a breakout role for him. I think probably the first thing I had seen him in was either Sucker Punch, which is like 2011. Um, but it, that wouldn't have, that, that's not like an Oscar Isaac movie. Right. Uh, and then Ex Machina a couple years after Inside Lewin Davis, uh, I think 2015, the same year that he's in Star Wars. Yeah, right, right, right. And then it's just over for him. Well, I, I thought this was uh, I thought this was Star Wars episode six and a half because you have Poe Dameron and Kylo Ren. <laughs> and Kylo Ren. <laughs> And Justin Timberlake, it feels like he should have made it yeah, into what, a Star Wars. What happened to him? Way to go! Way <laughs> he to go should have been whole... in a Star Wars. He he will be in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, they're they're not going to stop making them. No, much as we'd like, but uh, we can't talk about that today because we got to talk about Sadly with Davis. But Justin Timberlake, where did he go in this movie? Where did he go? He just disappeared. It's just it's just a couple days. You don't see your friends every day. Uh, I don't know. This is like four days in Lewis yeah, Davis. Yeah, life. yeah, yeah. Right, right. So that, you see, you don't that, see your friend twice this, a week. That's what this movie is about. It's just about a guy over the period of a week. Yeah. When you're th- there's yeah. no plot. There's no story. There's no plot. There's just a cat. W- he's kind of like Tom Hanks is if he was a musician in see, uh, Forrest Gump. I if I had said those first, that would have been my argument for why I liked the movie. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. There's like yeah. no plot. Right. <laughs> he's just kind of doing stuff. Yeah. He kind of sucks. Everyone's mad at him everywhere he goes. Yeah. No one it's, likes it's him. He's not even a likable character. <laughs> There's two or three cats. <laughs> yeah, or maybe right. the same cat every I think, time. I think they picked every orange tabby cat in New York City to star in this film. There's just, so there's some good cats in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so our, our disclosure form before we get to the plot summary, as you could probably tell from what I was saying, I hadn't seen this movie before. I love the Coen brothers, and this is just one that was a blind spot for me. And um, same, right? Yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah, um, I've heard of it, but yeah, and I should note right off the top here the kind of the kind of peg for why we're doing this movie this month instead of I mean I'm sure there's uh, the long list for what could have fit this month was much longer than five, um, but I wanted to do this one because last month there was a Hollywood Reporter listicle. And that's not where anyone goes for like high level critical analysis or anything. But I still thought it was interesting that their top 50 movies of the century. So since 2000, they had Inside Lewin Davis at number two. Um, So I thought that was another thing that just made me think like, hmm. And sometimes there's like this, you know, sort of, I don't know, something in the air where I just kept seeing stuff about Inside Lewin Davis. I was like, okay, time time to mark this one off the list. Your source is The Hollywood Reporter. And this is a movie about a struggling musician. AKA, it could be a struggling actor. It's the same vein. And there's one thing that Hollywood loves. They want to be musicians, and musicians want to be actors. So I, I can yeah. see why. I think they... it's like monolithically speaking for Hollywood, but I right. understand what you're saying. Their, yeah. their, their, their number one was Yee Yee by Edward Yang, which isn't like a, right. you know, not, not exactly a blockbuster right. <laughs> choice. Right, right, right. Um, it was an inter- it, like all these things, it's an interesting exercise to make yeah. a list like that. I hear you, yeah. Um, I don't think this would be my... This probably isn't my second favorite movie since the year 2000, but I did like it a lot. Yeah. I, it's This is a great movie. I'm not saying it's yeah. not a great... It's the Coen brothers, the dialogue and the, the settings and how they film their movies is on point. 
but the it's, yeah. the plot stinks. I don't think it would even be my favorite Coen Brothers movie since the year 2000. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, maybe it'd be second, but probably not. Yeah, probably not. Anyway. Um, that's for Coen Brothers Month. That's yeah. right. Yeah, we're going to do a Coen's Month at some point. Yeah. Either of us, I guess, can do a one-minute plot summary. Yeah, you, I think you should do it. You think I should? Yeah. Okay, I think you can do this one pretty quickly. <laughs> right. Um, and, I, and I mean this in a good way when I say, let's put like 40 seconds on the board instead of the normal I 60 seconds. All right, so Lewin Davis is, he's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a mess up. He's, he's I was going to use the stronger term, but, you know, family podcast. Um He's a performer in Greenwich Village in the early 60s. He's struggling after the death of his former musical partner. He's struggling to try and make it as a solo act, and it's just not going well. Uh, Carrie Mulligan's there, too. She's pregnant, maybe by him. She doesn't really know. She blames him anyway because everywhere he goes, people blame him for things. Uh, Then he kind of goes to Chicago just because. It doesn't work out there either, so later that night he comes back to New York. Um, His sister's now mad at him, too. He gives up on his dreams and tries to rejoin Merchant Marine. That doesn't work out either. He's forced to go back to his passion, even though he doesn't want to. Right. <laughs> and he gets beat up. And he gets beat up. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. Uh, fantastic movie. That was that was spot on. I, I loved that was it. spot on. I feel like I just rewatched it listening to yeah. you talk about it. An amazing movie. I just um, so many things stood out to me on a first time watch. The main one being. It's only been about a day since I watched it as we're recording this. And uh, very clear to me that I would find it a much richer experience on next watch. So um, if you've been waiting since 2013 for like a real deep dive on the symbolism and sort of all of the whatever the Coens had on their minds when they were making this, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still noodling on this one. Yeah. But hey, this podcast is about what it's like watching a thing for the first time. Right. So I don't that's, think they that's had, what you're going to get. I don't think they had anything on their mind. I think they just wanted to make a movie about a struggling musician. They, and they even admit that this movie had no plot. That's why they threw the cat in. Yeah, I think, a little I think bit they're, of, they're, they're funny, though. I, I think get it's a that. joke. I know. I get that, but <laughs> I don't know. But they did say that. Yeah. <laughs> They were concerned uh, like, that it yeah. didn't have a plot at some point. We read, so we read this in. book about this other folk singer. Let's uh, let's make a movie about it. And not to go completely, you know, the Boss Baby meme, you know, person who has only seen the Boss Baby watching a second movie. Ooh, getting real Boss Baby oh, vibes yeah, from right. this. <laughs> um, not to say like, so I've already admitted I hadn't seen this before. I haven't seen every Coen Brothers movie, yeah, but I did get a lot of Oh Brother Where Art Thou vibes from this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a guy, kind of a fuck up, going right. around the country. Uh, yeah. <laughs> failing well, I, kind I did, of ending up where he started right <laughs> I, I i hear you on that one i also got a lot there is some fargo elements to it the yeah. just the landscape and the dreariness of it fargo's it's always cloudy in fargo That's true. right it so, is winter yeah and um yeah i uh i kind of the there's not too many coen brothers movies that you would say are comedies but they all have a comic sensibility and a sort of absurdist yeah. vibe going on. And I really appreciated that in this movie that would have been really dark without a couple of good jokes and lines here and there. The dialogue is the best. <laughs> I, I've, it's so good. It's so good. It's so smooth. It's so typical Coen Brothers. Yeah. Um, the, not, the, to, not to jump around, but it, it's the line where he says, you know, the world's made up of two kinds of people, people who divide the world into two kinds of people. Yeah. And then Carrie Mulligan cuts them off and says, and losers. Right. Yeah. That was a uh, great, great line. Yeah. <laughs> that reminded me of, uh, 
this person I met at work who said there's only two kinds of people in this world uh, cherry pickers and dopes and don't be a dope <laughs> cool I was, like, I was like oh that's uh, yeah, same vein must have seen that on a t-shirt yeah um, yeah there's a kind of uh, dreamy sort of twilight zony road trip with a enfeebled heroin addicted John Goodman yeah the, who, who is that's I think is a great character in this just like the yeah. Big Lebowski, you know what I mean? Sort of yeah, like yeah. Uh, same same vein. You could see where that came yes. from. Yeah. And another thing, I mean, very different from the small part he plays in No Brother Where Art Thou, but just like halfway through the movie, John Goodman's going to show up for a bit. Right. Did you, feel similar. It wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be a Coen Brothers movie without it. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, like you said, there's not really like a plot, too much, but there is a bit of one. So starting at the beginning, as the movie starts and ends with, uh, Lewin Davis is singing a song about how he wouldn't really mind being hanged. Right. right. <laughs> um, and it's beautiful. I guess worth it to mention off the top, all the singing is live. It's not lip synced. Um, all the people who are singing, it's them singing and it's them in the room as you're, you know, what they shot on camera. It's yeah. Them I didn't know he could really sing. He's really good. Yeah. I don't think I did either. He didn't sing they, a lot. That's a lot of, of training. That's a lot of training. Right. No, yeah. He wasn't in the Cantina band. I don't think no, so. No. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a jizz artist. That's what they call jazz in, in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a thing I'm saying. That's that's what George Lucas decided he should call that musical yeah. form. Um and <laughs> yeah, this is um yeah, so it's a really indebted to the early 60s Greenwich Village folk scene. Yeah. The musically, the character Lewin Davis, heavily inspired by Dave Van Ronk. Yep. Not so much as a character because people actually liked Dave Van Ronk and he was considered the mayor of McDougal Street in the right. village. Um, that's the name of the kind of autobiography that he didn't finish before he died. Someone else finished it. So I guess it's kind of both an autobiography and a biography. Right. Um, is, is titled The Mayor of McDougal Street. Uh, Bob Dylan has like only nice things to say about him. Uh, Bob Dylan also in this movie. <laughs> Very briefly at the end. Right. Uh, yeah. I so, think Bob Dylan, though, can't... Is his personality kind of a dick? Bob Dylan does seem to be a dick. Yeah. But um, Dave Van Ronk wasn't a dick. Right. But musically, he is considered someone who's uh, really responsible, at least partially, for taking blues music and sort of... Um, translating it for solo guitar. Yeah, right, 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 right. And that's kind of, you know, he's not, Lewin Davis obviously is a folk singer, but he's kind of doing a blues thing too, right. musically. Yep. I'm no musicologist, but that seems to be what they're kind of vamping now, on. Do you think the Gaslight Cafe is like uh, a, you, uh, not a euphemism, but. I feel like, oh, so you do think there's something deeper on yeah, their mind. Yeah, I'm saying like, <laughs> uh, this guy's just, this guy's not really a bad guy. He's just being gaslit all the time to thinking he's a bad guy, you know? Something yeah, like maybe. <laughs> um, I think the Gaslight Cafe was real. Um, but also, I mean, that name works both ways, yeah. right? Maybe, maybe I'm putting today's context onto a movie made in 2013 where that term maybe didn't really exist yet. Yeah. And what I, unfortunately, my main pull for like, oh, they're at the Gaslight Cafe. Isn't that where the marvelous Mrs. Maisel performs for the first time? Is it? I think so, yeah. Oh. Uh, and it looks vaguely the same as yeah. it does in yeah, this movie. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that's also the Gaslight, but it's all, because that's what, late 50s in the village, I think? Yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, 
So she she oh, she warmed up for yeah. for Lewin Davis a few years later. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you don't know why this guy's so sad, but there's some references early on to him not having his partner anymore. About halfway through the movie, he reveals that his partner, the confusingly named Mike Timlin, confusing for me as a Red Sox fan. Oh, um, sure, I didn't even think of that until that happened. Said it. I was like. <laughs> And like Mike Timlin is such a peripheral figure from Red Sox history for yeah. me that I was like, I think that guy's name was also Mike Timlin. Yeah. And it bothered me like the whole movie. And it was. I, I Googled yeah, it later. Yeah, definitely. Of I course remember he Mike was. Timlin. Right. Uh, just an, not exactly an anchor, <laughs> but a huge ish part of the bullpen for many years. Oh, f- for sure. They yeah, wouldn't yeah. have won the World Series without him. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that guy threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. Um, information which is immediately. Uh, scolded for being a stupid bridge to jump yes, off. Of. Yeah, you jump off the Brooklyn Bridge. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Um, and uh, I'm bringing that up this early in the conversation because Lewin Davis is very depressed. Right. And that sort of is what is happening the whole in, movie. In the context, understandable. And yeah, um, Mike Timlin played by uh, Carrie Mulligan's real life husband. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that um, Mumford? Yeah, yeah, she's she's married to Marcus Mumford, yeah. I think still, right? I know he's on the soundtrack. I didn't realize yeah. that was. It makes sense that that's him. Yep. Since he's doing it on the soundtrack, don't know why I didn't put those together. I, I looked it up. Okay, but it, not on purpose. By a total accident, I came across it. Um, and I was just, like, this would be great for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Is um, as a fan of folk music, everyone around this time period had started to turn on Mumford and Sons mm-hmm. for being like these British guys with their, you know, $200 fedoras, they don't know what real folk music yeah, right, is. Right, right, right. Real folk music is that old lady playing the, yeah. the washboard at the right. end or whatever. Uh, Betty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which How'd get... you get the gig, Betty? <laughs> uh, but sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, Mulligan, she's a great actress, but her accent in this movie is terrible. Yeah, you she's... can hear the English coming through. It's like, what are you trying... What? That's not New York. This isn't a New York accent. Why are you trying to... F- I don't know. It's a thing that I mean, happens I mean, that's to, too critical. I don't I don't think it's too critical. I think it's it's a pretty obvious tell. Yeah. Uh for I think a lot of British actors and actresses, anytime they have to like get a really emotive, the accent is an issue. Sure, I, which yeah, I think is it, it goes both do. ways. It's tough I, to do, I believe. Yeah. Um it's not just a British thing. I'm sure anyone doing any accent when you're like focused on the emotion right. um and trying to get loud, that's that's right, when you right, can get right. in trouble. Um, but yeah, she does a different thing in Promising Young Woman, which I think a lot of British people, when they're doing American, um, they kind of drop like an octave almost. And so she's doing like a much deeper voice in right. Promising Young Woman. Yeah. And that seems to help maybe, or that just happened years later and she got Sounds better little, at it. Yeah. Could, with a little practice. Yeah. yeah. Or they go the other way and like Steve Coogan's American accent is much higher than his actual British voice. So I don't know why British people, they got to pick up an octave or down. If they I, stay in the middle, it's too obvious. I don't, it's <laughs> 1961. I don't think it would have been a stretch if she was just a British person living in New York trying to be a uh, folk singer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, uh, well, you know, Lewin would say authenticity is very important. Um, and there was an actual Jim and Jean. They're not exactly those people, but oh, okay. they're not, not those people. Right. Okay. Uh, the actual Jim and Jean were married. I think in the movie, they're kind of just, they're not married yet. They're not married yet, Yeah. but they're, you know, together. Right. Um, and as far as I know, uh, Lewin Davis, not a real person. So never impregnated the real Jean. So. 
So that's good. So that's that's yeah. good. <laughs> See, that's another thing about this movie. If you love folk music, you'll love this movie. I'm not a this folk music is not my thing. So I, yeah, this whole thing was just totally lost on me. So the actual music happening in the movie, you didn't care for? No. Yeah. Not until the very that's end. stuff because there is a lot of it. Yeah, right. This I think this could be a musical. It almost is. Yeah. It wouldn't be sung through, but there's in like. In terms of like Disney, like kids' movies yeah. that are mostly spoken in action. Yeah. And then there's like four or five songs. It's it's as much a musical as like Encanto is, just yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. You know, it's not like people, people acknowledge when someone's performing, but just in terms of the amount of time spent on songs versus not. Right. There's probably like 20 ish minutes of the movie that are someone performing music. Yeah. So, um, it just I don't I don't know about I don't know just it's just a little. It's going to shock you, but I love the music. Uh, yeah, too, I know. I bet, so. I'm not. It, the music is excellent. The music. It's just it's, not for you. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so from a personal level, I, that doesn't it doesn't jive. They they really capture how like kind of silly a lot of folk music is. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Irish quartet there with the right. oh, I love the sweaters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> love the sweaters. Yeah, that's exactly it. Which is like. Yeah, they they gave an interview. Although they've given lots of interviews, but this particular one was um, done by Guillermo del Toro, um, and they were talking about like, yeah, people thought we were going to do like a parody of folk music, but you can't really parody folk music because it just is pretty silly. Yeah. Um, and then in this interview, they cut specifically to the Irish Quartet, right? Because <laughs> you're like, yeah, I mean, that that scene's played pretty straight, but like, it's also funny. Yeah, because the club promoters like, I don't know about these guys. Yeah, they're kind of so shitting like, on him in the right. back of the room. What is this even? What are we doing here? Yeah. And then right after that, when um, Betty gets up and does her thing, and what she's doing is like actual folk music. Right. Uh, Bob From, Dylan said folk music is fat people. Um, he said that? Yeah. Oh. See, that guy is a dick. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a dick. He's, yeah. he's definitely an asshole. <laughs> um, and confronted by the real, like, genuine article... Um, Lewin Davis attacks it. Right. And he's, you know, he yells at it, he heckles it. He reacts violently when confronted with the real thing, oh, dis- so you, despite how about authenticity he is. So you think that this film That's what the Cohen said. That's also not original a deeper thought. meaning that you think is in this film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I like the movie. Right, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got to talk about what that cat means. But the cat wasn't even in, it's not even original in the script. They threw that in there because they had no direction. There was no plot. Like I said, I think that's a <laughs> joke. Coen Brothers, funny guys. I don't know. And then, um, I mean, it becomes this talisman for It's him. Lewin. The, you could say the cat is Well, him. there you go. <laughs> the first line Carrie Mulligan has is explain the cat. Um, when Lewin Davis calls uh, the professor guys, Gorhine. Gorfine. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. The Professor yeah, the Gorefine. Yeah. Um, when he calls his office, the lady who picks up the phone says, Lewin is the cat? And yeah. he says, no. Right. Um, but yes, so multiple people asking him to explain what the cat means or right. telling him he is the cat right. in the movie, which I think is they, just a fun joke that the Coens threw in. Right. <laughs> yes. It's just good writing. <laughs> it could have more meaning. I don't. I personally don't think so. I think it's just a little side plot to keep you interested. There's either one or three cats in the movie. Yeah. And you don't really know which one's which. Right. 
And I so, tell. and yeah, and so if it is Lewin, then you can make an argument. Again, I'm going to go so surface level because we just watched this. Yeah. You can make an argument. It's about Lewin and his identity crisis because, ooh, which one's this one? Right. Where's his scrotum? Wait, yep. It's the funniest line of the movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, super well delivered. Um, yeah. Did that woman, was she nominated for Best Supporting Actress? Because she should have been. <laughs> Where is his scrotum? So funny. Um what a, and it was just a weird thing to focus on on her part too. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think it is. It means something. And I like later on. Do you think it's the cat that he abandoned on the highway that he hits on the way back? Um, no. I kind of don't either. <laughs> how, how did that cat get from Chicago to Akron, Ohio, that fast? There's no way. They were. They weren't in Chicago yet when he abandoned it. They had already left Chicago, but he left it on the side of the highway. So he left were, it on the side of the highway while they were still going to Chicago. And then on the way back from oh, Chicago back. is when okay, he hit yeah, it. Right, right, okay. So okay, it okay. could have been around the same yeah, you're right, spot. Because right, right. you never know where Johnny Five is held yeah. when he gets arrested. Yeah, where, where do they, John, I, is this the movie Johnny Five? I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's name is Johnny Five? Johnny Five. <laughs> Played by Garrett Hedlund in what I assume is also a meta joke. I think a year or two before this, he plays the main character in an on-the-road adaptation. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> an- another uh, folk music, sort of folksy paradise. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the whole conversation between him and yeah. John Goodman is all like, you know, the beatniks versus the folk singers right. and yeah, stuff. Right. Um, and how, like, Lewin's this authentic guy, but to real musicians, they think he's bullshit, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, but John Goodman is also bullshit and probably is dead in the back of that car. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he's yeah, and maybe that's like, ooh, he's seeing his future. He could turn into that kind of like curmudgeon ass. Yeah, right. But, Just angry at the world. Yeah. yeah, or it's nothing. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I just think it was a great. It was a good break in it. A good comic yeah, relief to the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to be like, and then here's what happens next in the plot. Yeah. But anyway, before he goes on that road trip, um, Jim and Gene, played by Carrie Mulligan and Justin Timberlake. Uh, not respectively, reverse the names. <laughs> and uh, he meets up with uh, Troy, who's a soldier that is, he's only in like two scenes. Yeah. But anyway, they're gigging. What a what a very polite guy. Super polite guy. <laughs> um, the cat gets out when he's leaving. Yep. And he's, you know. Well, the, the, Wait, I, I reversed it. The first morning when he wakes up, the cat gets out. And he has to take it with him over to Jim and Jean's apartment. Right. And then when Troy is leaving, the cat escapes out the window. Out the window, right. And then he tries to go find it. And he, he Well, it could also be, does. to your point, could be a metaphor for the cat is him. He open, there's a crack in the window. He sees his escape. The cat takes off. You've got to get out of here. He's trapped. <laughs> He's trapped in the house in a dump of an apartment. He's got to get out. Yeah. I feel like you're kind of making fun of me now, but you <laughs> but you could be right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, and then, yeah, so he's he's just doing his stuff. Gene tells him that she might be pregnant. Yeah. She doesn't know if it is his or not, but on the off chance it is his, she wants to get an abortion because she doesn't want to raise his child. Right. <laughs> Which, fair but enough. But that kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it I- does. She says it sucks, too. Yeah. She does, She's not happy. Yeah, but... His line, the, one of the best, one of the better lines is his comeback and says, you know, it takes two to tango and she tells him to shut the F up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you piece yeah. of shit. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty mean to him the whole yeah. movie, but like. But he's, he's kind of get it. Yeah. 
men. Not kind of like you, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> he he calls her uh the conversation they have later at the cafe when he thinks he sees the cat running by. Right. Um so great too. That's yeah. when we referenced earlier the you know the world is divided into two yeah. kinds of people. No, that's yeah, um, a great set of dialogue there. But when he's in she's like, "Oh, is it a bad thing to want to just use music to like kind of secure a future for for me and Jim?" Yeah. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's basically he says, calling them. careerist. The, yeah. way, the way he says careerist is just like dripping with so much venom. Right. Yeah. He's basically calling them like posers, yeah, sell, sellouts. Kind of yeah. square. Right. And it's pretty sad, I think yeah. is what he says. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's careerist, it's square, and it's sad. Yeah. Um, But they don't see it that way, because he. but he's this, you know, so he's he's pure. He's right. one of these guys who feels like he's more pure than, everybody than the else. people around him. Right. Right. And of course, that leads him to be the one who is struggling the most and having the hardest time. Yep. Um, he also meets up eventually because uh, Jim has a gig for him. They go to record a novelty song about the space program. Yeah, space. you didn't like this scene either. No, I, it's this, so funny. This scene was very funny. Okay, cool. Uh, because I have Adam Driver. Adam Driver is just his bit in it is just funny when he's yeah. when they're all singing together and he's just doing like his uh, background vocals Uh-oh. there. Yeah. yeah. Shoot. Yeah, his his delivery of outer space right. became I hadn't seen this movie in 2013, but we all saw the memes. Right. I saw it, <laughs> you know, I think on YouTube they like clipped this and put it out and that's I think why people thought the movie was going to be a parody. Right. If this is the only scene you've seen of it before right. you see the movie. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, but it is super funny. And an interesting title, Space Oddity. Yeah. For the song. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Although the the couple in the apartment in Gorfine's apartment call it, um, uh, they call it please Mr. Kennedy. Please yeah. Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. Well, they're squares. They just that's what uh, the that's what the chorus me, you're is. Telling me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, he decides not to take royalties on the song. Yeah. Um, he just takes two hundred bucks because he needs it right away. Um, he needs it to pay for a Jean's abortion, which he ends up not needing to pay for. Correct. Because the last one, I think Diane, Diane. I want to say, yeah, um, ultimately didn't get she the child the aborted. Right. Uh, and that was two years ago, and I guess he hasn't spoken to her since, and apparently he has a son in Akron, Ohio. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this scene ends with him asking the uh, Jewish cowboy, Al Cody, if he can <laughs> crash on his couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just a Cohen thing where there's just like, is this movie about Judaism? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right, like, yeah. It might be, yeah. yeah. But another funny scene is when he, he's going to Al Cody's apartment and it's the narrowest hallway in the oh, world God, and he's yeah. trying to they're trying to squeeze past each other with the box. That, that, that yeah. was funny. I laughed at that. Jim and Gene have a really narrow hallway also. Their doors are at different angles, but yeah. which is, I mean, the hallways in this movie, great. Yeah. Good hallways. You feel like you're in a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that... When he's carrying the box of uh, records later on, trying to pass Al in the hallway, I think he does it wrong. He turns to face him, and it's like, no, you got to stay sideways because yeah. you got the box. Right. But it's probably your instinct to go, you know, chest to chest. Yeah. But I think he just, he, it's a misplay by him. Yeah, totally. It's a total misplay. <laughs> Should have threw the box out with his other crap. Um, Somewhere in here, he goes to visit his record company and his uh, agent, yeah. management, whatever, Mel. Mel. Um. Who offers him a jacket? Uh, Lewin, because he's a jerk, is like, "This is a pity jacket. I don't yeah, want I don't it. I want your jacket." So he gets kicked out. But the, to be fair, the guy doesn't pay him any money. Yeah, he's just. And then he feels bad and gives him forty dollars. Right. Yes. 
Is he stealing all his money or is there just not making any money? He's certainly not giving him money either way. And there probably would have been ways to get him some bucks. And what? And I just think he's not pushing the record and whatever he's making on the royalties, Mel's keeping. Yeah, Even if it is a couple bucks. You don't know if it's accurate or not, but when he goes to see the guy in Chicago, the guy's never heard of him. Right. Who is like supposed to be someone who's being worked by right. this management. Right. Um, so that's that's true for sure. He, he isn't doing that so think, bit of it. Back to my earlier point in the podcast about the Gaslight Cafe. Here's a... Gene's telling him that she, it's his kid. It might be his kid. She needs an abortion. His record manager is saying, ah, well, I don't have any money to give you because we don't sell any records. But is Gene telling him the truth? I don't know. Is his record producer, record manager telling him the truth? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's being gaslit the whole time. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, after this is one of the few parts I have in order after the doctor's office, he goes back to the Gorfine's apartment and, um, it doesn't go well. That's when he gets in a fight. Yeah. Cause he's not like, you know, he does the whole, like, I'm not a trained monkey kind yeah. of uh, that, that plot kind of contrivance. She was, uh, what's his wife's name? Uh, yeah. She, and she starts doing the, the harmony. Right. Um, she was making her famous Musaka too. She was making her famous Musaka. <laughs> uh, one of the other guys from Girls that isn't Adam Driver is in the apartment at this point. Um, I don't know the actor's name, but I think he played Charlie on Girls. Oh uh, yeah, not wait, the, no, not, not Charlie, the, the other guy, not the professor with the beard, the the guy who only plays the old music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was gonna say if that guy was in Girls, then I don't know. I had the wrong idea of what Girls was. I'm going to find out this guy's name right now. I, of course, got it wrong. No, Charlie's the other dude. Um, The the couple sitting on the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The husband. Yes. Yes. Alex Karpovsky. Oh, yeah. Who played Ray on Girls. Of course he did. He runs for office (laughs) like town or city council in the later seasons. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. Girls is great. Just put that out there. All right. should watch Girls. I'll check it out. Um, super underrated just because people didn't like Lena Dunham personally, but right. it's a great show. Yeah, right, right, right. And you're not really supposed to like her character, so it actually, you know, it works. Uh, it doesn't go well. She's, the wife is doing um, Mike Timlin's part, yep. uh, who I can only refer to in full names for the reasons previously mentioned, and he really doesn't react well right. to it. He's, he feels all kinds of violated. But uh, again, understandably, because if his best friend and his music partner jumped off a bridge and c- committed suicide... I don't think you'd really want somebody else harmonizing his part. No. <laughs> Gaslit. Gaslit. And l- <laughs> later on in the movie, you see that he does come to some kind of, maybe not catharsis, maybe not quite acceptance, but he does the song later on in right. the movie. Right, 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 right. Um, and that is, I'm assuming, reflecting back to this moment where yeah. he's like so... 100%. So concerned with letting this exist beyond his partner. Right. I'm assuming. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. But this, it, this scene also leads to the funniest part in the film with the, the cat. And yes, like, it this does. Is not, this is not the cat. And this doesn't have a scrotum. There's yeah. no scrotum. There's a scrotum, Lewin. Uh, and then right after that, he, he gets in Al Cody's car. Not that Adam Driver's ever in this movie again, but they right. take his car and they go to Chicago. Johnny Five, his valet, <laughs> is driving John Goodman. And, uh... Lewin is also splitting some driving duties yeah. with him. What does the N stand for? Lou N. <laughs> it's Lewin. Uh, Welsh. Yeah. This is one of those performances that is, I mean, by John Goodman in other Coen Brothers movies. Um, but it's one of those things that in a movie, it just comes in and it just sort of like, 
You're getting someone coming out of the bullpen. Now, I'm thinking, of, I got Mike Timlin on the brain. No, I'm yeah, sorry. Right. No, yeah, yeah. He's coming right. out of bullpen. Yeah. He's he's throwing like an inning and a half of uh, of relief pitching for yeah. you. Right, just straight. He's heat. not he's not a closer, but he's throwing a hundred. Uh, yeah, right over the plate. Yeah, but you can't catch up to it. And it's like old and steady too. Nice. Just a classic guy coming in hard. You know, yeah. he drank a fifth of whiskey on before the night before. You know what I mean? It's a super strung out John yeah. Goodman, right. giving a monologue about how. He practiced Santa Riga. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, in New Orleans. What like what did you say like, like what simpletons like you would call the dark arts or yeah, something right. like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he learned it from Chanabazo in New Orleans. <laughs> um, it's just like but a, a what good the comeback. Fuck is this about? <laughs> uh, Lewin's comeback is uh, hey, if I stick this cane up your ass, will uh, a little bit still stick out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then John Goodman's like, oh, uh, all right, I see what you're doing here. Uh, it's not going to work on me. <laughs> because I am a heroin addict. Yep, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they're in the rest stop, and this whole kind of dreamy trip goes not great now because John Goodman ODs. Yep. And then they get pulled over. Johnny right. Five gets arrested. Mm-hmm. A person for whom, if you weren't watching this movie with subtitles, I wasn't. I don't know what the hell that guy said ever. <laughs> I I no idea. <laughs> Only when he runs out, when uh, Goodman climbs on the ground, he's like, he's, uh, he's all right. And yeah. then, they, then they carry him out. Get his sticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, But he says some other lines, and I have no idea what yeah. the fuck he said. <laughs> and uh, Oscar Isaac doesn't say anything back. He's just sort of like reacting through yeah, right. facial stuff. Right. So like, I got no context clues for what that guy said. Right. I'm out. <laughs> um, yeah. But he and so, and so Lewin abandons the cat. With a possibly dead John Goodman in the back seat. And the car. And the car. Well, it's Al's car. He doesn't care. Yeah, but that poor Al gave him a place to stay on his couch. Yeah, and he let him get a ride to Chicago, even though he didn't really need it. Right. Um, Yeah, Lewin's an asshole. Yeah. He does like six bad things in this moment. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he he makes no attempt to, I mean, he doesn't want to get arrested either. I get it. But he doesn't like try to follow the guy or like ask what precincts Johnny Five is getting brought to. And we never see him again. No. He's probably still in jail. Um, Yeah. He gets to Chicago. He kind of hitches the rest of the way. He makes his way to a club called the Gate of Horn. That must have been a real place, right? I have no I have no idea. The the one the only part I really like about him getting to Chicago is a surprise cameo by um, a great actor, F. F. Abram, F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham, yes. Who plays uh, the, Salieri, the hotel uh, owner in, um, oh, the, the little, the boy in yeah. uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, he does. The lobby boy. Yes, he does. Um, he won an Academy Award for Salieri and Amadeus, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's in a bunch of stuff now. He was like, he kind of cooled off for a while after, he was one of the guys that gets, was getting held up as like, Oh, he won an Academy Award, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but he's kind of in this moment, like the hottest he's ever been. Yeah, he was like a series regular on Mythic Quest on Apple, a show a lot of people really like. Yep, uh, he's in a ton of stuff now. But Grand Good Budapest, for him, he's fantastic. Yeah, I think it came out right around this time too. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So this, and then Grand Budapest, and then he's like, "You're back, baby." Yeah, um, fantastic actor, and he oh, uh, just tremendous. He's great. In another guy like John Goodman who comes in and he's only in two scenes, yep. but it's delivering high heat fastballs. Yeah. yeah. And it's just sitting there stoically. Right. And then giving like the most devastating reaction to a song where Lewin's like 
really putting some yeah he's, he's trying to impress sauce on for it. sure yeah and he's like yeah you suck kid you're kind of ugly yeah uh, you you're the ugly guy in a threesome here you know what i mean <laughs> he sort of implies that he looks too ethnic right yeah, um, yeah to right. be a front Gets, man get less sun yeah. yeah he said he tells him don't go in the sun for a while right. and and you know shave your beard yeah um into a goatee which i don't know if that would have worked for him <laughs> um but yeah the song is is pretty incredible i yeah. think a lot of people mark that as a particularly moving song and it maybe not you but a lot of no, people I, do. The, the song is good. It's not yeah. a bad song. Listen, it's just not it's for fine. me. <laughs> um, I don't want angry letters written into late to the movies yeah. and gmail.com, you know? And we already quoted him earlier, but just like just to say this is where it happens. He said he finishes and the immediate reaction is I don't see a lot of money here. Right. His delivery of that is um, yeah. he's not trying to be mean. It's just the matter of factness of it. Right. And then Lewin's reaction is so that's it. Yeah. And like he gives him actually like a lot of people do, gives him some options, and he just rejects. He doesn't want to take them. Yeah, right. He rejects every other option. But it, an overarching theme about folk music it doesn't make any money. Yeah. So why are we even doing this? Yeah. <laughs> it's said multiple times throughout the film, right? So maybe it is a comedy or a, a, a small parody about the silliness of folk music it just exists in this one small corner of the world. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, Gatorhorn was a real place in Dearborn. So you're on, wait, no, on Dearborn street on the North side of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Tough to get that wrong. That's literally what happened in the movie, but Hey, I was reading badly off of Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, and it was just, you know, he just wanted to, he just wanted to play there. Well, he wanted to, don't see a lot of money here. To be like uh, under his management too, right? Apparently, he managed Elvis. What uh, the army guy says in the beginning, because yeah. it, it's the same manager. He said he said he's going to meet with Bud Grossman. Yeah, and then, um, Lewin asked him, "Oh, did you you get to meet Elvis?" Everyone always asks me that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Albert Bernard Grossman was a uh, big deal in the American folk music and rock and roll scene. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, he. Later managed Bob Dylan. Funny. I think this movie really is about Bob Dylan. Not really. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of, but we're not there yet. He he hitchhikes back to New York, immediately finds someone driving to New Jersey, and he's like, I'll take you the whole way if you drive. I got to sleep. It's great. Um, And he's, you know, dozing in and out of it. He sees Akron, thinks about getting off the highway and going to Akron. To see his son. Yeah. I like that he doesn't. I think that's great. And then he hits a cat. The cat doesn't die, but it limps off into the woods in uh, what you might describe as really upsetting yeah. fashion. <laughs> but the cat's resilient. Tough. I hope so. It's not just... <laughs> going to survive not only getting hit by a car... a freaking blizzard with a right, broken leg. But also a blizzard yeah. in Chicago in the winter. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. A lot of people think that's the same cat. Uh, sure. Yeah, sure. It's the same cat. <laughs> You don't find that a compelling discussion, I guess. There's probably Yeah, okay, fine. 100,000 stray cats. If we can move on, I'll say it's the same cat. In Chicago. He just happens to hit the same one waiting for him in the middle of the road during a blizzard. It's not like, you know, it's Coen Brothers. They have that tinge of magical realism. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. In a lot of their stuff. I agree with you. I I really do. It's it's, uh, (laughs) a... But it's also if but if we're saying that the cat is him, 
the, yeah. the, he gets hit by the car and it still makes it off. Damaged, wounded, sure. But the cat is still alive. And th- there's the hope that the cat is still alive, right? So he's still alive, metaphorically. I think that's an interesting reading for like the totality of this movie. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to get to there because I, I think I might agree with you on that. Um, he's back in New York. Everything goes badly. He spends his last money getting up to date on his dues for yeah. Merchant Marine because he's decided, he's gonna go fuck back. this, I'm out. Yep. But he needs to pay up and get current on his dues right. so he can get assigned. Yep. Um, and they happily take his money back. They happily take his money back. It's like $148. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot of money. Yeah. In, uh, In 1961, for yeah. sure. That's got to be like two grand today. Uh, it'd be fifteen hundred dollars. That was close. Money. That was close. I said two grand. It's a lot for a guy who is very broke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he seemingly has seven dollars. So he like five or yeah, but he's got he, a nice. He fans it out. It's <laughs> yeah. like five to seven one dollar bills. <laughs> um, and he says, "I'm I'm leaving here naked." <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he goes back to his sister's house, who he had later yelled at to throw out all his old stuff. Yep. She did. So his license is gone. Yep. And he goes back and is told that it'll be $85 to replace his license. His pilot's license, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have that money. Which also seems like a lot in 1961. Yeah. So I think this is like, a, you know, this, this, this is one of those literature irony things. He can't actually afford to stop living his sort of uh, flight of fancy lifestyle right. and return to a normal version of just existing as right. instead of living as he had earlier put it right um he can't afford to do that so he has to go back to kicking so he's got all this stuff and he goes back to gene so gene i'm not trying to stay here i'm just and you just need a place to put my stuff yeah please let me put my stuff down uh he goes to see his dad at some point too yeah who gives uh maybe even worse response than uh grossman in chicago did uh he plays a like a really lovely song yeah. and, uh, and at the end of it um it is I guess implied that his dad shits his pants. Yeah. Yep. Uh, doesn't seem like it's his fault, but the timing is... He's clearly not... He's clearly just like in a vegetative state. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's I, a great I, scene, though. The music in that scene, I thought that was a great scene. It was It was a moving number, yeah. even though I don't like folk music. That's the one about the shores of heaven or something like that? Yeah. I think, yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, his uh, he goes to see... Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Uh, that scene's great. Yeah. Great acting all around. Yeah, 100%. I like that he just sort of throws out that he loves her. Right. And she kind of pauses and looks at him and just says, come on. <laughs> right. And the scene ends. Yeah. That's the last time she's on the screen. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, basically like, yeah. okay. <laughs> right. Which was, which was obvious the whole the whole film, but I, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's still a good scene nonetheless. Yep. He's totally, so yeah. He he goes back to the gaslight. She yeah. she had set up that he'd be able to gig tomorrow right. night. So she's not completely mean. She gets yeah. him a gig at the gaslight. Yeah, no, I don't really feel like she's in the wrong in much of any universe. Sure, no, right, yeah, right, right, right. That's not, yeah. Um, This is where he heckles a lady who is, like, authentically doing, you know, folk yeah. music. The stuff that Alan Lomax was recording. Right, in but the he cab. only heckles her because he finds out that the owner of the club was also sleeping with Gene. Yes. So the kid might not, it could be Jim's. It could be his. Yes. It could, it could be the owner of the club. Again, he's, could be a lot he's of being gaslit yeah. the whole movie, you know? He kind of is, yeah. <laughs> um, do you believe Poppy? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of do too. He seems like a real sleazeball, but he's not like... He doesn't seem to be saying it for clout in this moment. He seems to just kind of be throwing it out. Well, I think 
I think now, uh, thinking about it, it's I think it's implied that she sleeps with him to get him the gig. Yeah. Right? Because Lewin's not playing there. So, that feels like the order of operations. Right. So to get Lewin out of her life, yeah. she does this one last thing for him. I'm going to get you this gig, so you better knock it out of the park. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and then he goes to the Gorfines. Gorfines? I forgot how they pronounced it. Gorfines, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I would have been saying it the whole time, and I apologize to that family. The cat's back, and yeah. it's named Ulysses. Ulysses. Oh. Elbows. Well, yeah, what an irony there. Joe and Ethan Cohen, Cohen on either side of you elbowing you. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Um, you like that? You like that? Yeah. This guy's at- on an epic journey, man. He <laughs> um, um, got, got crossed up by some sirens. <laughs> that's that Odysseus. You jerk. Oh, yeah, same thing. Uh, Ulysses is still a guy wandering around. It's just more Irish. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because that's also just Odysseus, right? Basically, same same story. Anyway, my sister's the English major, and she didn't watch the movie in time to be on this episode. <laughs> she could have helped with that. Anyway, uh, some of the people that the Gorfines are hosting that night, Gorfines, I did it wrong again. Um, they're like, "Oh, you must be getting crazy royalties on yeah. that, please, Mister yeah, King." Yeah. Oh, so. you're friends with Gene and Jim, right? I that, that song is so funny. Yeah. And he's just, he I wish he I was a musician because one hit it. makes a life or something, whatever she says. Yeah, yeah. And he starts trying to explain him and then he gets cut off because the, I forgot the wife's name again, but she's uh, she apologizes uh, to him. Lillian. Lillian starts and, apologizing uh, to him. and he's She's like, making oh. her famous tabbouleh salad this time. Yes, he, yes, she is. I love tabbouleh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, he crashes on their couch that yeah, night. Yeah, he's got nowhere else to go, right. Next day, I guess he's walking to the gaslight. He sees a, a movie poster for The Incredible Journey. Yep. The Coens are just like slapping you in the face. Right, now. right. Now it's <laughs> blatantly obvious. Um, and then he's doing a song that sounds really familiar. Uh, did you clock that this was also the first scene in the movie when it was going on? Uh, or, no. I mean, eventually once he's yeah, getting beat up. Figure, right, right, right. No, I, I didn't figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. But that, this is the best... This is the best part of the film for me. This I like this part the most in terms of like overall filmmaking, right? Yeah. So here we are. We're back to the beginning of the film, and you get a little explanation as to what had happened. Uh, yes. And I just I loved how it just buttons everything up. Yeah, we didn't spend a lot of time when we started this discussion on him getting beat up in the alley because, yeah. well, it's going to come back around. Right. Um, but the movie starts with him getting beat up in the alley. Some shadowy figure says, uh, you know, you can have this. You can have this cesspool. We don't want it. Yeah. We're getting. We're getting out of here. Right. You're like, who's that? Um, you find out later that it must be the husband of the person he was heckling the night before. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. So the songs that he does here is he, he once again sings that song about how fun it would be to get hanged. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's being simplistic and it's yeah. a really well-performed song, but that's kind of the text. Um, and then he does uh, If I Had Wings. Yep. Which has a bit where the chorus is saying like, fare thee well. Right. Um, Gene had said that he's splitting the basket. It's, it's a double, you know, it's, he's not the only show that night. Right. Um, and it turns out that the person coming up after him is Bob Dylan performing farewell. Right. And you're like, oh yeah, this guy's better. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So again, he's like, he's just being overshadowed by a a better musician. Just immediately. So, uh, Bob Dylan's playing on stage while Lewin Davis is getting beat up in the alley. (laughs) But the most famous version of Fare Thee Well is by Bob Dylan. Yeah. 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 Um, a song that, I, you know, it's, he's one of our probably most, um, 
oh god what would be the word cataloged yeah songwriters and everything i could see says said that he wrote that song in 1963 and this is 1961 but whatever who cares um but the the song originally <laughs> goes back to like yeah african american yeah um so anyway bob dylan's up there he gets he gets beat up in the alley it's the same scene again he uh sort of staggers sits down in the alley as the guy speeds off in a cab yeah says au revoir au revoir and uh that's basically the end that's of the movie. How the movie ends yeah movie but ends. I, th- I thought the ending was the was the best part that, it's really that whole good. sequence <laughs> um from him playing it's the most meaningful songs he does a really well job sing really good job singing it then you get the overshadowing of bob dylan and you're like oh that i'm thinking to myself that's I thought to myself, that's what this film is sort of really about. It's just the Coen brothers, another yeah. tribute to the South and the Midwest, and uh, Bob Dylan and the, <laughs> the folk, the folk action heroes. So, is this him? You know, I guess at first you're like, oh, he's doing the song again. He's sort of like coming back to where he started. Then you realize it is just, it is what started the movie, right? Um, so, is this? You know, I guess it's like Sisyphus is coming to mind, is rolling the boulder up the hill every day. A good Greek tragedy. Yeah. So is, is the argument, and, and you already made the other side of it, so I'll just say both briefly because I'm curious what you think. So is this him, he's stuck? He's he's sort of trapped? This is sort of a prison? He's, he's in like a Groundhog kind of, Day? Yeah, he's in like a Groundhog Day of depression. Yeah, just reliving. He's just going to be there forever. Man. Or, like the cat, is he resilient? Is this, it's happening again, but he's accepted that, and he's going to go forward, and he's going to live with all this. Yeah, and he's persevering. No, I don't really, I don't really know which one it is. <laughs> for me, it'd be he. He moves on. It's move, him moving on. He sings fairly well. He gets over like he's sort of putting past his his best friend dying and sort of the bad stuff that has happened to him. Yeah, um, he figures out that oh, the abortion piece with Gene. That's not. It could be. It's not really him. Uh, he moves on from sort of the bad record managers that he has. And yeah. I, think, I think he really, I think after that he sort of finds his way. And it's saying, he says au revoir to the guy who beats him up as he drives away in the cab. And that's, to me, metaphorically saying au revoir to this period of my life. I I hope so, um, for his sake. Yeah. Because it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> right. The music. Yeah. I guess he also can't get a normal job. Um, but he's going to have to figure something out. Right. But it seems like maybe he's he's a little bit more steeled. Yeah, right. Exactly. To do so. Yeah. I don't know. An important four days in Lewin's life, no doubt. Well, and I think that um, may- maybe the song actually breaks through yeah. that night. You know what I mean? Because he's maybe. better than the Irish quartet with their sweaters. That's true. <laughs> and he's better than uh, Betty Washboard Lady. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, thinking about this cycle that's right. repeating itself is... Uh, is everything always going to be the same, or is the future brighter? Well, you got Bob Dylan at the end, yeah, right. So there is something to the future. It right. might, it just might not be for Lewin Davis, <laughs> but it, but uh, for you know, in a larger sense, maybe the future is better. Maybe the Coen Brothers are trying to say, well, here's here's the 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 hope for folk music, and it comes in the form of Bob Dylan. So yeah. Lewin Davis can ride those coattails now. There's a way out for him. Theoretically, yeah. Yeah. And then Bob Dylan would really, really, really try and distance himself from folk pretty soon into yeah. his career. Right. But, well, they all, um, they all sell out in the end. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, Newport Folk Fest has a lot of the sweatered Irish of quartet kind of guys. Yeah, right, yeah. Where um, it's not all, it's not entirely folk. The folk definition is so broad now. And I think right. that also 
in a way that people who were mad about Dylan in the mid '60s would find pretty sacrilegious. Yeah, right, right, right. To the folk hundred, totally, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but it, you do see acts like that, and you see a lot of acts that sound like Lewin Davis. A hundred percent. And uh, it's all good. I like it a lot, but it is when you say it's you just see a bit on, silly. When you see a lot of acts like Lewin Davis, you mean acts that are not very good. <laughs> uh, people who are like you know really into technically it. proficient. Yeah. Uh, really into it and maybe the songwriting is amazing yeah but you're like you know it is a little hard to get excited about, yeah. about this guy sure and maybe they take themselves a little too seriously yeah you do want to like they come out in like the uniform like right. the like Mumford and Sons right. did at that time and you're like alright come on get the fuck out of yeah, here right. yeah we get it <laughs> yeah we, like, get, we, it. we get yeah. it um, there, there's a great thing so at the end of the movie do you think he still has the same sort of hangups about living versus existing all right, it seems like like we're what we're kind of talking about is he sort of accepting? Yeah, I think like, he comes to grips with it. Yeah, yeah. He, so uh, is he nicer to Gene? I guess going forward, I, I don't. I think those relationships he doesn't. Uh, yeah, they sort of cease to exist. I think. Yeah, there's not really a future where they're friends, right? So, I think, but I think he's fine with it. Maybe right. I, I think that he repairs the whatever relationship he has with his dad or his sister. That maybe those stick around, but some of those other folks, I don't think. Uh, exist after that yeah uh, they were i was looking into stuff a little bit in analysis and i normally don't like to do that but since it was a first time watch for me i was like okay i just need to be armed with a few more few more tools and i was starting to read about like Camus and philosophical suicide and stuff like that and i was like this is going to be too heady i'm going to sound like a real asshole if i try and bring this up but i'll just say it is the kind of movie that at least inspires that type of thinking deeply about right. it. And even though it wasn't your favorite movie, at least we, I, you know, there's stuff in there we can talk about. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, to me, this movie feels felt like a, a live-action version of uh, Waiting for Godot, where we're just talking about the existential existence yeah. of uh, human life and nothing really happens. There's we're always just... waiting for something, but nothing really happens. Yeah, and this is a guy who is waiting for something. Exactly. He says, he, I, you know, feel it very deeply when he says pretty late in the movie that he's just tired. Yes. He thought he could get it over it with a one good night a of good sleep, night, but yeah. it's something deeper than that. Right. I love that he never really puts a name to yeah. what's going on with right. him, but you're like, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people can relate. Um, totally. And uh, like I said, this is something that I think I'm going to watch a, a number of times and I feel like I'm going to get a lot more out of it. You're going to watch this movie again? Yeah. Oh. Love this movie. More power to you. We haven't talked about it because like, again, I'm not, I'm no folk historian, but I'm also no cinematographer, so I don't know. I don't know from lenses. I don't know from lumens and lighting and stuff. Sure. However, um, even a real dumb dumb like me, like I said, the most recent thing I've seen in theaters is Guardians of the Galaxy. I've just been watching a lot of stuff, yeah. stuff that's like yeah, yeah, content. Even if I like it or not, like you know, the, the season of Ted Lasso and Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. And uh, it's just nice to watch something that you're like, ooh, some artists were doing the lighting on this one. Oh, 100%. Because this movie looks fucking amazing. This movie is a masterpiece in oh. filmmaking. Um, no doubt about it. That's why the Coen brothers are the Coen brothers. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. Looks amazing. They're yeah. not working with Roger Deakins on this, who they do work with quite often. But instead, it is, uh, yeah, Bruno Delbanel. I don't know if that's how he pronounces his name, but uh, a couple other big credits for him, I guess, recently. Um, he did a French French Dispatch. Oh, know? excellent film! Oh wait, no, he was in the French Dispatch, <laughs> so that's fun. 
Um, uh, but he shot Amelie, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, uh, Inside Lewin Davis, Darkest Hour, the the top line ones that comes up. I'm sure there's other ones, but I'm doing this in my peripheral vision yeah, yeah. on a quick Google. <laughs> so yeah. uh, Anyway, it's all that to say, it's not Roger Deakins, but I still think it looks incredible. Incredible. Um, just something that comes kind of part and parcel with Coen Brothers movies, like you said. Yeah. The act, the craft of it is, is all going to be top notch. Top notch, yeah. Very buttoned up, yeah. very tight, yeah. They do a lot of interesting camera work throughout their careers, but I think something that they do that really stood out to me in this movie was like, especially during performances, they get a lot out of just, you know, not exact, not entirely locking down the camera. Right. But, you know, you're just seeing the performances and you're just getting, you're just getting it. Right, yeah. The acting in this Good. film is incredible. <laughs> the, everyone does an excellent job. Did it Did it win any awards? It only got nominated for a couple things. Um, nominated but didn't win Best Sound Mixing and Best Cinematography. Mm. Uh, T-Bone Burnett was the music yeah. producer on this. Right. Uh, a guy who's worked on a billion things. A billion things, yeah. <laughs> um, probably even uh, TV or movies if you're like, oh, this seems like this. There were, they put a lot of effort into the music. Yeah. Probably like him. Fifty percent chance it was a T Bone Burnett production. Yep. <laughs> um, Did it win yeah. best soundtrack? Uh, I think it it was nominated at the Grammys. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, or it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I don't. I don't know. Not even something. I don't. I don't uh, some some. Uh, yeah, I mean, movie so funny as we've been talking about. It was nominated in musical or comedy yeah, sure. at the Golden Globes, and it's both. Yeah. <laughs> when you said we were going to do this movie, I tried to. I don't even remember this movie even coming out in movie theaters. Um, that's how like not on the radar it was for me at the time. Uh, it did win best soundtrack at the St. Louis Gateway Film Critics Association. Oh, so sure. you in, know, in the Coen Brothers hometown. If you can't get a Grammy, the SLGFCA yeah. that's the next best thing <laughs> right. for me. Um, it's the gateway to the West. Yeah, <laughs> good call. Yeah, Coen Brothers hometown. It's where they're from. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up. It sounds too good to be true. Um, yeah, I mean, people are from St. Louis. It doesn't sound too good to be true, yeah, but it just yeah, it just, right. it just fits, that, and I wasn't thinking too hard. I, at least I hope that's true. Let's not look it up, and I encourage our listeners to never fact check anything you said on just this podcast. It. If you say it affirmatively, it's true. It sounded correct when you said it. Like, yeah, they could be from there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Jason Tatum. No, and they're the Coens, definitely from. They're definitely from there. They have this affinity for the West and for like yeah. America, Americana. But yeah, for Midwest people especially. Yeah, yeah, the the real America. Kind of right. Thing. The Ballad of Buster uh, Scruggs. Yeah, their which last, is excellent. Their last movie as a duo. Yeah. As of now, um, they've split up in the uh, Denzel Washington black and white Macbeth from a few years ago. Yeah. Was Ethan? I think. Or it was Joel, and then the other one's making a movie coming out, I guess soon about. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but it's called like. I mean, I could just look it up. It like when you think of Coen Brothers. I mean, I know they can't. You can't always make a Big Lebowski or a Fargo or a Ballad, but then I, to me, this movie just doesn't hit. It just doesn't hit the high marks. If if I were a struggling musician, one thousand percent. It's just not for a mass audience, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, Joel made the Tragedy of Macbeth, the Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, black and white Macbeth movie. Yeah, I heard that was terrible. I heard it was good. Either way, I didn't see it. Yeah. So, grain of salt. I don't know. I, mean, yeah, I didn't see it Yeah, grain of salt, both right. direct. Maybe it's very middling. <laughs> yeah. um, 
it looks really cool based on screenshots and trailers. Right. Um, and then Ethan has an upcoming movie called Drive Away Dolls, which is described as a comedy road film. Uh, and in both the Macbeth movie and this movie, incredible cast. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any questions? Like, if you if aliens came down, what would you give them as a sign of peace or to start a war in this one? <laughs> that was a better question than what we've been doing this month, which is, I think you've already answered. Uh, I think we've both already answered. Would you see a musical performance by the characters in this movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, cool. If, I mean, if, they are very good. If you said, if you told me, oh, I'm going to Newport Folk Festival, you want to come? We're gonna there's gonna be a live performance by Oscar Isaac doing the soundtrack to um oh dope yeah i'd, I, I'd do that 100 percent, i would go that would be a great experience right is it my type of music no but yeah no doubt in a world where it was just actual lewin davis yeah. would you go uh no yeah no because he's not famous he's not good i don't know who that yeah. is <laughs> right yeah some guy from 60 years yeah. ago in Grand play Village. play me something from inside lewin davis <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh God, yeah, F. Murray Abraham, just yeah. heaters. He he reminds me of like the high heat, just uh, right, like an Ed it. Harris in, yeah. in our Top Gun episode, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That level Same of role. gravitas, yeah. Same role, basically. Exactly. And he, he tells him like your kind's going extinct, right. basically at the end. Yeah, you're scene. not good. You you can't. You're not a lead leading man. You work good in a yeah triumvirate. Yeah. Yeah, one one of many lifelines thrown yeah. towards Lewin Davis, right? Because that actually, like, you know, he's you can't he's not going to represent him as a solo artist, but like that went pretty well that he did say like maybe we'll try in this thing, yeah, for a guy who just walked and in it, off the which street, probably would have worked, like, right? Yeah, would have been so it would have gotten paid, right? At least, yep. Um, but whatever, he didn't want that. No, nope, he's just so dead set <laughs> in his ways. Yeah, he really is. Um, so do you think it's not necessarily uplifting, but do you think it's a more positive ending than? A lot of people think it's just so bleak and dour. It, it is, but I thought the ending was. I thought it has an uplifting ending, and yeah. I, I like the this way guy it is going to keep he's, going. He's going to pull through, right? Yeah, maybe it's never going to happen in the way that he wanted it to for most of the movie. Yeah, but he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is a great movie. I really liked it. Yeah. I'm sorry you didn't, but I, I've come around. Oh, good. This is fun talking about yeah, it. Either not, way, I, I had a good say, time. Yeah, yeah, I've come around. I'm absolutely <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, but you don't think you're going to watch it again anytime no, no, soon? No, okay. no, no. But I, I know a lot of people who would like this movie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm not going to throw it on like tonight, but no, right? Know. Yeah. <laughs> soon. Let's get to ratings. Sure. On a scale of 0.5 to five, on any scale of your choosing, besides stars, what would you give Inside Lewin Davis? I would give this film, uh, I was thinking about this all day, and it's so generic, but I'm going to give it four orange tabby cats out of five. I'm glad. I think I talked you up <laughs> from a two and a half. At the I was never going to give it a two and a half. Okay. <laughs> the Coen brothers are too good to give it yeah, a two and a half. that's true. The, I don't, their base level is right. what, three? Three and a half? Easily. Um, I should have asked you a Coen ranking, but we're in the middle of rating, so we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the cat is the way to go, but hey, that doesn't. It'd be weird if one of us didn't take it. Yeah, there's right, only two yeah, of us. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it uh, 
too wordy. I was going to go with situations where I don't see any money here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, screw it. Five situations where I don't see any money here out of five. Yep. I love this movie. Really excited to watch it again. Just not right now. Yeah. <laughs> not immediately. Um, yeah. So, uh, Coen brothers overall, what's your, what's your top? Uh, the, the best. The big Lebowski. I don't think you can make it another film like that ever. That's a once in a, in a lifetime. Yeah. Type of film. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I mean in Fargo, I mean FX has made a whole career for like saved the ch- the yeah. whole channel making series of the series of Fargo. For sure, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Ballad, a completely underrated film. Yeah, well, so good. I, I love that film. Yeah, that one's cool. Yeah, that one's cool. Um, Hail Caesar's also after this before they break up. Um, Hail Caesar's super underrated. Yeah, that, I, that's I, one I haven't that I seen think that one. Even yeah. critics didn't really dig, but it's got. It's got everything you want. It's got Josh Brolin yeah, right. being great. Uh, you know. Clooney. Clooney's in there giving a great performance. Very funny. It's a very funny movie, and it has a, a great dance number from Shanning Tatum. Oh, really? Yep. Hmm. And and communism. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, right. right. <laughs> and then, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're, No Country for Old Men is... Oh, yeah, a classic. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one that, like, as much as I loved this on a first watch, just speaking of you know, movies that they've made this century. Yeah. Um, no Country for Old Men. I think that's that's one that you're done watching. Like, I got to just go sit in a room and not talk to anyone yeah, yeah, for a right, while. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it made Javier Bardem's career. Yeah. I think. They've made a lot of great movies is the is the takeaway yeah. if I cut just to this. <laughs> anyway, Anthony, thank you for being on for Inside Lewin Davis. Au revoir, Ben. Ah, you did it. Good job. <laughs> you can find us on podcasts. Dot com. I'm sure that's a place, and you, maybe you can find us there. If it's not, though, try Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbeans, Bing Podcasts. I made that one up, too. Uh, if you go to our website, you can find all the other stuff that I normally get wrong, such as our email, late to the movies, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Maybe it's that. Our Instagram, late to the movies, underscore podcast. Uh, the website is T-O. The other stuff is the le- number two. I almost said the letter two. Sorry. Um yeah, that that'll do it. Give us a rating on uh, Podbeans and nowhere else. I, you know what, people, you people like to do what they're told not to. So don't rate and review us on iTunes. It it well, we would hate that. Yeah, what a horrible thing that would be to 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 drive us up the rankings. We're in the top hundred of podcast name late to the movies. Um, thanks again, Anthony, for being on. Thank you. See you. <laughs>